don't know him, Steve Rick is Chief Economist for CUNA Mutual Group. Uh, and he was previously Senior Economist for CUNA's Economics and Statistics Department for a long 22 years. Um, a lot of people uh, throughout Credit Union Lane know Steve, but I don't think many people in Vermont might know that he's also on the Board of Directors of the University of Wisconsin Credit Union and is a lecturer at the, in the Economics Department at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, so we're really, really fortunate to have Steve with us today to give us uh, his take on, you know, what's going on in credit union land and the economy and whatnot. Uh, certain, certainly been a lot of topsy-turvy stuff going on. And, and Steve, we're looking forward to whatever insights you might have, and even if there's no pictures to go with it. All right. Well, I will be sending this handout out to you all uh, afterwards. Uh, so I'll just kind of go through the highlights. Uh, that are the most important points that we'll be discussing. Um, so you'll be able to see all the charts when we're, and when we're done, and it has all the text in it. But let me just give you the highlights. Um, basically, we, we believe, of course, we are in a recession right now. In the first half of this year, we've had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. And we actually believe in the second quarter, the economy could contract by around 30 or 35% at an, an annualized pace. Uh, in the first quarter, we did contract about 5%. And so you put two consecutive quarters together of negative growth, and there's your definition of recession. Uh, we do believe that, that in the third quarter of this year, we could see a 20% growth in the economy as we start to reopen. This is assuming we don't have a second wave coming through and the pandemic kind of plays itself out. And then basically in the fourth quarter of this year, another 5% growth. But for the full year, we do expect the economy to contract about 4% this year. Uh, so that means, you know, the average factory, the average office will be running significantly below its full capacity. There'll be a lot of unemployed people. And it's those unemployed people that will be impacting our credit unions with lower loan growth and higher charge-offs. Um, moving on to another important topic is inflation. A lot of people are worried about, you know, this government's printing up so much money. We have the Federal Reserve doing their quantitative easing where they're just printing money. Uh, we are concerned about inflation happening maybe sometime in the distant future, but not now. Uh, we're actually worried about more of deflation or really low inflation. As we all know, the Federal Reserve wants 2% inflation. That's their target. We don't expect to hit that for the next few years. So with low inflation, we're going to have low interest rates for a very long time. So inflation is not a concern for at least the next couple of years. Uh, what about unemployment? That's the big one. As you saw last week, uh, the unemployment rate is a little over 13% as the Bureau of Labor Statistics announced last Friday. Uh, once again, they did put a little footnote in there saying, well, if we would have counted the right people, uh, we'd probably have close to 16%. Uh, so we actually believe by the end of this quarter, we will have 15% unemployment by the end of June. And uh, just to put things in perspective, uh, the worst things got after the Great Recession uh, was 10% unemployment. So this is significantly worse than what we saw 12 years ago during the 2008-2009 Great Recession. Uh, what do we expect for unemployment to trend for, say, uh, the end of this year? Uh, basically, we expect the unemployment rate to still be around 12% by the end of this year. Uh, so once again, higher than the 10% we saw 12 years ago. And then even by the end of next year, the unemployment rate could be at 8%. Now, once again, to put this in perspective, uh, the Federal Reserve kind of considers the long run normal unemployment rate of about 4 or 5%. 
So even at 8%, we're going to be significantly above where we'd be. That means credit union delinquencies and charge-offs are going to be high for the next couple of years, uh, impacting provisions for loan losses and impacting our bottom line going forward. Uh, what do we expect for delinquency rates and charge-off rates? Well, the delinquency rate normally for the average credit union and normally economy is around 0.75 delinquency rate. You know, translation, probably $100 in loans, 75 cents are delinquent. We expect that at the worst of this crisis to at least double, to have a delinquency rate going from 0.75 today to 1.5. Uh, the charge-off rate, normally in a good time, the long-run average for the credit union world is about 0.5% charge-off rate on loans. Uh, we expect that to at least double also to uh, 1% or maybe even 1.2% uh, by uh, this time next year as those... Uh, uh, loans uh, start getting charged off in uh, large quantities. So once again, going from 0.5 charge off rate today up to around 1.1, 1.2% by this time next year. So big increase in charge offs and delinquencies because of this. Um, a lot of people ask me, Steve, how is this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, will it have a permanent impact on the economy? And economists do believe, yes, that uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is kind of like a fifth being punched into a ball of clay, think of the economy as the ball of clay, uh, it will leave a permanent mark. And one way we believe it's going to have a permanent mark is we're going to see an increase in precautionary savings by households. You know, households will finally take to heart that advice they probably people got when they were right out of high school or college, that you should have three to six months of expenses saved up in a liquid savings account at a credit union or a bank. Uh, because we have these things like pandemic in crises where you can be thrown out of work and the government can shut down the economy. And so you have that need to have that precautionary savings. Well, if they're saving more, by definition, they will be consuming less. And that lower consumption spending will keep the economy, you know, kind of growing at a very slow pace for the next couple of years. Since 70% of our economy is based on consumer spending, low consumer spending will uh, keep this economy uh, growing at a relatively slow pace for the next. In fact, for next year, we're only forecasting about a 2.5% growth in the economy, um, and this is slightly above its long-run trend of about 2% economic growth. Uh, for businesses, uh, we do expect a lot of changes in the business world. Once again, some permanent impact, that fist being punched into that ball of clay and that ball of clay having a permanent imprint. Uh, we're going to see a lot less business travel, more video conferencing like we're doing here today, uh, more disaster planning. We're going to spend more time at credit unions, uh, uh, you know, making a plans for pandemics like we have currently. Uh, more permanent work-from-home solutions where uh, we'll see more and more people that's actually working from home. That means office space, huge vacancies, and we were seeing a retail apocalypse taking place. Now we're going to see more of an office space apocalypse. And so uh, credit unions and banks made a lot of loans for commercial real estate, uh, maybe seeing significant problems in the next year or so. Uh, we're going to see a lot, le a lot more uh, staggered work schedules, uh, more distance between seats and offices, fewer cubicles, that type of deal. Also for the corporations, fewer stock buybacks. Even corporations will take to heart the idea of having emergency cash, rebuilding their balance sheet, having a fortress balance sheet to handle another, uh, you know, pandemic like we have today or any other type of crisis that, that could come along. But of course, we're going to see increased uh, costs for health benefits, increased pressure for paid sick leaves. All those things will be impacting uh, the corporate sector in the years to come. Moving on, what about interest rates? Well, the most important price 
in any economy is, of course, the price of money, and that is interest rates. And as since credit unions are basically money traders, we buy and sell money. We take in deposits, pay one interest rate, make a loan, charge a higher interest rate. Uh, what do we expect for interest rates going forward? Well, basically, we don't expect interest rates to rise for the next two or three years, maybe even longer. Uh, we expect the Fed funds interest rate to remain at roughly its 0.1% for at least the next three years. Uh, why is that? Well, the Fed will keep that interest rate close to zero until the unemployment rate gets close to 5%. Uh, like I said, we're probably still going to have 8% unemployment rate a year and a half from now, at the end of 2021, 8%. Now, a lot of people ask me, you know, why, is it taking, why would it take so long to come down? You know, back in February, we had 3.5% unemployment. Like I said, today, we're probably really at roughly 15 or 16%. Um, why is it going to take so long to get back to that, you know, 4% range the Fed would like to see it? Well, three factors. Factor number one, we call it the zombie firms. You know, there's a lot of basically walking dead firms out there who are barely profitable when the economy was good. Well, those firms are gone. They're dying now. And uh, we've, we've seen over 100,000 firms already go out of existence. That will continue for the next few months. So a lot of firms will just be gone, and all those, all those employees will have to be reallocated to other firms, and that's going to take a lot of time. The second reason why the unemployment rate is going to come down slowly is a lot of firms will use this as an opportunity to lay off their least productive workers. And so those workers will have to spend a lot of time finding new employment at other uh, firms that did make it through this crisis. And then the third reason, we're going to see a lot less new business formation in this economy. You know, there'll be a lot fewer uh, entrepreneurs out there willing to risk their own capital to start new businesses, and hence, you're going to have fewer hirings taking place. So the unemployment rate is going to come down slowly, which means for us, charge-offs and delinquency rates will be significantly higher than we've seen before. And so the Federal Reserve will keep that Fed funds interest rate close to zero for the next three years at least. Uh, what about longer term rates? What about the 10 year treasury bond interest rate? We know that's important because it's tied to the 30 year mortgage interest rate. Uh, we expect the Federal Reserve to kind of try to control uh, long term interest rates also with their quantitative easing program, which is just basically fancy econ talk for printing up money to buy bonds. Well, they printed up a lot of money and they're buying a lot of bonds. And we expect them to keep that 10 year treasury below 1% for at least the next year and a half and then keep it below you know, 2% for years after that. Uh, so don't expect interest rates to go up anytime soon, which is going to be hard on uh, banks and credit unions who are basically money traders to actually make earnings over the next couple of years. Uh, just a couple other things that we, we, we want to talk about here with respect to uh, how the economy is going to be, go be going. Um, one big area, of course, is vehicle sales, new car sales. You know, because credit unions do make a lot of new car loans, How's that going? Well, right now we're seeing a 50% drop in auto sales in this country. Of course, a lot of that was just due to a lot of people uh, were at staying at home and not going out shopping. And a lot of uh, car, sale, car sellers were basically shut down. They were not considered an essential uh, uh, industry. And so you just had that taking place. But because of the very high unemployment and a lot of uncertainty, that will keep basically car sales weak, which means for credit unions, it's going to keep uh, new car loans also very weak going forward for the next uh, year or two. Uh, we are, I am hearing anecdotal evidence that some credits are doing quite well in the refi auto business, and I'm not refi mortgages, but refi auto business, uh, stealing a lot from the banks right now, if you will, with you know sub three percent interest rates on car loans. So a lot of credits are picking up some business uh, from that. 
Uh, what about housing? You know, another area we do a lot of lending in, of course, is mortgages. What do you expect for the housing market right now? Well, we expect home sales to drop about 30% this year. Uh, not as bad as it was during the Great Recession. Remember that mortgage crisis of 2008-2009 with the whole global financial crisis. Uh, but we do expect a 30% drop. So when it comes to the purchase mortgage business, that will be under pressure this year. As you know, a lot of Koreans are doing well with the refi business, uh, mortgage business. Uh, but the purchase mortgage will be under pressure. As once again, a lot of Americans with uncertainty. And uh, right now, 16% of Americans are out of work and even higher in some states. Um, that, that will keep uh, uh, the purchase mortgage business weak for a lot of credit unions in this country. Uh, moving on to stock prices, you know, we've seen a lot of stock volatility right now. Stock prices have rebounded somewhat, but it's still below their highs. Uh, actually, it was February 19th, where the S&P 500 stock index reached its highest mark. And uh, it's come down, it's still down about 200 points since then. Um, but uh, it's creating a little bit of a negative wealth effect. Americans don't have as much wealth in the stock market, and that will limit some of the purchases of cars and other things. Uh, what about home prices? Of course, a house is a major asset. A lot of people are asking me, hey, what about home prices? Do you expect those to fall this year, similar to what we saw, say, 12 years ago? And the answer is no. Uh, 12 years ago, home prices fell 35% over a three- or four-year period. We don't expect that happening this time, uh, basically because Home prices are not overvalued this time. Uh, what else is different is back then, we had a surplus of homes on the market, pushing home prices down. As you all know, we have a shortage of homes today, and we have a lot of millennials, uh, the ones who are still working, uh, looking to buy homes because they're starting families and whatnot. And so we actually expect home prices to dip a little bit this summer, but then come back to their 2 3% growth that they've been trending uh, for the last few quarters here. Uh, so basically, we're not going to see a big drop in home prices um, uh, basically for the next couple of years just through the shortage. Uh, moving on to some other factors, uh, consumer confidence uh, did take the biggest drop in history in the months of April and May. They're big, big drop, once again, because of the COVID pandemic, health concerns, and just job losses. So that, of course, if people have very low consumer confidence, they won't be willing to take out a loan. You know, some people are still able to borrow money because they still have a job, but they may not be willing because of fears of maybe a second wave of this COVID-19 pandemic, things like that. So uh, consumer confidence is way down, and we don't expect that to really rebound soon until a full vaccine is developed. Moving on to a couple other things. You know, a lot of people said, you know, this COVID-19 really put us into recession, but there was actually four other, you could say, little fists punching into my ball of clay, if that ball of clay represents the economy. Uh, what were four other factors kind of dragging down the economy even before this COVID-19? Well, one was low oil prices. Uh, as we know, uh, oil prices are in the mid-30 range right now. Uh, that's basically too low for oil exploration in a lot of parts of the United States. So places like Texas and Oklahoma, North Dakota, Alaska, Wyoming, California, places that do a lot of oil exploration, they're basically put that on hold right now causing a really big economic slowdown in those states. So there's your second fist, if you will, punching into the economic ball of clay. But there's three other fists that have been pushing on us. Uh, one was that trade wars. You know, we remember you know, a few months ago, that's all we heard about on the news, on the business news, news was the trade war with China, the European Union. Well, we still have those. And that actually put the manufacturing economy into a recession last fall. And so that was already dragging the economy down. Uh, two other factors. One, we have the election coming up in November. That election has created a lot of uncertainty on who will be the next president and what policies will be in place with respect to taxes and regulations. 
so a lot of businesses are just putting their capital spending on hold. So they're not building the factories or offices, things like that, until they figure out who the new president is. And then, and then the last factor uh, has to do with Boeing, uh, big manufacturer in this country. And as we all know, they put the 737 MAX on hold. So they're not building that. Think of all the vendors and the suppliers that make parts and everything for that plane. Well, they're all shut down too. So once again, we have these five fifths that are really punching into our economy right now. We call each one of those an external shock because they're from external outside of the economy, really punching at us and putting us into the biggest recession since the Great Depression of the United States. Uh, moving on, let's bring on to credit unions. What do we expect for credit union loan growth this year? Uh, I just met, I did, just to let you know where some of these forecasts are coming from. Um, it's not only myself, but I meet with the three other economists who work for CUNA and affiliates. You know, your trade association, CUNA, uh, the, their chief economist is Mike Shank. I'm sure a lot of you have seen Mike Shank give speeches over the years. Uh, so I meet with their three economists. And I also meet with Bill Hampel, who used to be the chief economist for CUNA. He was the economist there, I believe, for about 100 years. And he just retired a few years ago. So he likes to Skype in from Florida, wearing a nice you know, Hawaiian shirt, giving us his two cents on what he thinks the economy is going, where it's going, and how it's going to impact credit unions. So we all get together, the five of us. We just got together last Friday. And this is our latest update look. So you guys are actually getting the newest numbers that we have. Um, we believe loan growth this year for credit unions will be about, be about 3.5%. How does that compare to last year, 2019? We had 6.5% last year. Uh, how does that compare to, say, long-term average? Well, 7% is the long run average for credit unions. So we're gonna be about half of the normal loan growth this year. What about next year? We're forecasting only 5%, so still below trend for 2021. And then by 2022, returning to normal growth of about 7%. So these next three years are gonna be relatively weak, especially when you compare it to the years of 2014, 2015, 2016. That's when credit unions are growing 11%, double digit. So uh, we're kind of at the coming down anyways, but this pandemic is going to put credit loan growth really slow, about as slow as it was almost 12 years ago. You know, it was Mark Twain who said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. So, you know, this recession won't be exactly a repeat of the recession we saw 12 years ago, but it will be similar. So we'll rhyme a little bit, uh, but uh, we, we expect weak loan growth for the next two years. Uh, what about on the deposit side? Well, we're going to see an explosion in deposits. Uh, just to give you the number for 2020 this year, we're forecasting a 14% growth in total savings deposits at credit. Now that includes CDs, money markets, regular shares, share drafts, all that, all your deposits growing 14%. Now, why is that? Well, there's a couple factors. Of course, factor number one is this COVID-19. A lot of people are still doing the stay at home. They're not going out to restaurants and movies and sporting events. So they're not spending a lot of money, but they're still working. They're still getting their paycheck. And so we're seeing savings piling up at credit unions. Number two, low gas prices. Uh, gas prices are a lot lower than they were, uh, uh, say, a year ago. And so they're saving a lot of money. Plus, they're not driving as much. So they're not buying as much gas. So they're saving money there. Uh, uh, number three, the volatile stock market. Uh, when the stock market gets volatile like this, you know, a lot of credit union members, they just park their money into a safe, insured deposit at credit unions. And then another one is just those um, stimulus checks that were mailed out. Uh, a lot of Americans who do get those checks, history shows that people save a lot of that stimulus check. 
So think of those $1,200 checks that are mailed out loud. That's the money just going to sit in there. Or uh, instead of saving it, they may use that money to pay down some of their debt, which will also slow down loan growth at credit unions. If people use that 1200 bucks to pay off their credit card or home equity loan at the credit union. Uh, so really strong growth, 14% this year. That's the fastest since the year 2001. And of course, what happened in 2001 was the stock market crash. Remember the dot-com bust back in 2001. So 14% this year. Uh, 8% next year is what we're forecasting for 2021. So you add those two up, 14 this year, 8% next year. We could see credit union assets and deposits grow roughly 22%, uh, which is going to have a huge denominator impact when you look at capital to asset ratios or operating expense to asset ratios. Uh, we're going to have a huge boom in our savings. Uh, moving on, what about the income statement? Let's switch off the balance sheet, move over to the income statement. You know, they say economics is the study of the confusion between stocks and flows. Well, the balance sheet is the stock part. The flow is the income statement. So let's take a look at the income statement. Um, we expect our yield on assets to have a significant hit this year. You know, last year, credit yield on assets was about 4.04% meaning for every $100 in assets, we made $4.04 in basically revenues off of our investments and loans, all that interest. We, we, we can see a drop from 404 last year to 3.35 this year and 3% next year. Huge drop. That would be the lowest in credit union history. You know, credit unions have been around for what, over 100 years? Well, we're going to see the lowest yield on assets. Why? Because the lowest interest rates in American history. So that's going to bring our yield on assets down, our major source of revenue that we use to pay our operating expenses and provision for loan loss and help us make a little earnings at the end of the year. Uh, what about our cost of funds? Well, they're already extremely low. They don't have much more room to drop. Last year, credit unions were paying about $0.89 cents for every $100 in basically assets or deposits. Um, we expected to drop to $0.50 cents this year, 50 basis points, or a 0.5 cost of funds. So a little bit of drop in cost of funds, not much, but the bad news is the yield on assets is dropping faster than the cost of funds, which will push down our net interest margins to basically the lowest ever uh, this year and next year. We we're actually, for, you know, last year we made a net interest margin of about 3.15% as an industry. Uh, that had come up, you know, from its low point of 277 back in the year 2013. So we're making $3.15 for every $100 in assets. We expect that to drop to 285 this year and to 250 next year. The lowest in credit history and the lowest in banking history, basically. Uh, why? Because of these extremely low interest rates and a very flat yield curve, meaning long-term rates and short-term rates are not that far apart, just a, you know, a few basis points difference. Uh, so the margins are going to be extremely tight uh, going forward. Uh, is there any good news on the uh, uh, income statement? The answer is yes. We do expect operating expense ratios to take a big hit this year, mainly just due to that 14% uh, jump in the deposits and hence assets. So once again, the denominator effect. Uh, so the operating expense ratio is going to drop. We also are hearing anecdotal data from talking to credit unions. They're really trying to hold the line on operating expenses. They're freezing hiring. They're freezing salaries. They're basically freezing the marketing budget, uh, holding off on any new cap, big capital expenditures kind of reordering their initiatives, just trying to figure out what can we get away with this year without, you know, uh, having to some new initiative that's going to cost a lot of money. So we're seeing a lot of credits kind of hold back, uh, except when it comes to finding good locations on branches. Because a lot of restaurants and other businesses will go out of business, 
there's going to be a lot of prime corner real estate property coming up. Uh, so keep a lookout for that if you're looking to expand new branches. This is always a good time to pick up branches during a recession like this because there's going to be a lot of commercial real estate available. So maybe pick something up now, just buy the property and hold it, and then build a branch on it in a couple of years. Um, of course, the other bad news that's happening in our income statement is the provisions for loan losses. Uh, this is another big story here. Um, you know, last year, uh, credit unit average provision for loan loss as a percent of average assets was basically 0.43. Once again, to put that into English, we spent 43 cents in provision for loan losses for every $100 in assets. We expect that to double uh, this year to 90 uh, cents for every $100 in assets. And they may even go to $1 next year. Similar to what we saw back in 2008, 2009, those are both similar numbers. So 90 basis points and 100 basis points as a percent of average assets for provisions. Well, what does that mean for the bottom line? Well, net income as a percent of average assets, which of course is our return on assets. Our return on assets uh, was about 93 uh, basis points last year, meaning we had made 93 cents for every $100 in, in assets. We expect that to drop to 20 cents this year. Now, why is that? Well, two factors. You've got the lowest interest rates in American history driving down our yield on assets to the lowest ever. And you have one of the highest unemployment rates in modern history. I have to modify using the word modern because we did have higher unemployment during the Great Depression. It actually reached about 25% back in the early 1930s during the Great Depression. Uh, but basically, for modern history, this is the highest. And so we're going to have Significant hit on provisions, significant drop in interest revenues. That's going to push earnings probably down to, like I said, 20 basis points return on assets this year. And uh, once again, this is from the forecast meeting last Friday, meeting with the other four economists. Uh, we're forecasting a minus 15 basis points next year. So the first time in credit union history, we're forecasting negative earnings for the entire industry once again, due to the lowest interest rates ever and the highest unemployment rate in modern history, we could see negative numbers for the return on assets of, like I said, minus 15 basis points. Uh, the good news is we got to finish up at least with a little bit of good news here is talking about our capital to asset ratio uh, or net worth ratio. Basically, credits came into this crisis with 11.4% capital to asset ratio. Uh, coincidentally, that's the exact same number we went into the Great Recession of 2008-2009, 11.4 again. Uh, with this huge surge in deposits coming credit unions' uh, way, because once again, those stimulus checks, low gas prices, people staying at home, not spending, whatever, not traveling, going on airplanes. Uh, we expect the capital asset ratio to drop a one percentage point this year down to 10.5 almost, and then another one percentage point next year, maybe down to 9.6. So we could lose two percentage points off our capital asset ratio. Now, that's fine. We're, we're, as an industry, we're fortunate coming into this because that's what the capital is for, right? It's the rainy day fund, and it is raining right now. This is our kind of how our members' insurance policy, if you will. That capital is in insurance against things like this. So uh, a lot of credits are trying to, you know, what's that old saying that uh, no, no crisis should uh, ever go. Uh, what's that? I'm, I'm blanking right now. Um, basically, we you know, take advantage of a crisis like this. Well, we did this back in 2008-2009. Credians uh, were able to, you know, offer forbearance to their members on loans, waive some late fees, you know, waive 
NSF fees and courtesy pay fees. So use that capital to build brand loyalty. And so when these, you know, a couple of years from now, when these members look back and say, wow, my credit union really did help me out a lot. That's going to build huge loyalty and increase the, you know, the market, the wallet market share and all that. So, you know, don't let a crisis, there it is, don't let a crisis go to waste. Uh, a lot of credits can actually come out of this a lot better than the banking institutions. Uh, why will banks afford profit? They don't like it when their capital gets wiped out because that's the owner's equity, of course, the stockholders. They really don't like that. And so you see a lot of banks trying to keep their profits up or not have negative profits. But credits can afford that. That's the strength of having a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative structure as opposed to the banking model, which of course for-profit banking structure. So in times like this, credit unions actually historically have picked up market share from banks because we can let our capital drop. If, you know, if you're sitting on 11.4% capital, you can easily let it drop to 9.6 and ride this out and build member loyalty. And like I said, uh, strengthen your, your, your brand uh, image going forward and use this capital for that purpose. And then hopefully, you know, the next recession won't be for another, you know, recessions happen in the United States every eight, nine, 10 years. Hopefully we can rebuild our capital back up to that 11% again sometime within the next eight, nine years. But now is the time to let that capital asset ratio fall. And for most credits, we will ride this out. Uh, just to give you one more interesting little stat, you know, during that great recession 12 years ago, 500 banks went out of business. And there's about the same number of banks and credit unions in this country, but only 100 credit unions went out of business. Uh, once again, kind of showing the strength of that not-for-profit member-owned cooperative structure. So we will get through this, but it will be a rough road. Unemployment is going to be high for a long time. It's not going to be dropping back. This will not be a V-shaped recovery. It never is when it comes to laid-off workers. It always takes a while for those workers to find new jobs. And in the meantime, some of those members, some of those unemployed people are our members. And they're going to be delinquent, and we're going to have to charge off some of those loans. All right. Uh, like I said, that's my presentation. I do have this all laid out in a really nice PowerPoint presentation filled with charts and graphs, all of that. And I'll, I'll make sure to send it out uh, to all of you so you can take a look at it. But that's basically just to highlight that. We're going to see a really weak income statement uh, in the next couple of years and a very high unemployment rate with very low interest rates. That's basically summing it all up in a nutshell. So with that, I'll just pass it back. Thanks, Steve. Um, and if you send your PowerPoint along, I'll make sure to get it out to everyone on the call here. Um, so do you have time for a few questions? Sure, yeah. Great. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, anybody got any comments or questions at all for Steve? Just jump right in. Joe, this is Molly. Dylan. Hey, Molly. Hi. I, um, I was wondering, Steve, if you had any theories on why everyone was so surprised by the last employment figures. Thanks. Oh, when it, when it went up to 2.5 million instead of dropping six, seven, eight million, like a lot of economists had forecasted? That, that, that's your question? Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, it had to do with those initial unemployment insurance claims. You know, we were getting, you know, roughly on average 2 million a week and there's four weeks in a month, so that would have been like 8 million more unemployed. So there's basically your, the rough estimate on where most economists got that guess. But we basically, I guess, were surprised by the rate in which the economy was reopening, that people were hiring back workers faster than we thought. But you know, to put things in perspective, we lost about 22 million jobs 
in, in the economy in the last couple months, 22 million. And then last month, we just gained 2 million back. So on net, we're still down 20 million jobs. So, I mean, the good news is, yeah, you know, we came up 2 million. But that, you know, that was kind of the low-hanging fruit, if you will. That was kind of like the best workers, your most productive workers. They brought back those 2 million uh, some restaurants started reopening in a limited capacity, and some manufacturers started bringing back some workers. But we're still in a ditch. I mean, we're still in a big ditch. Like I said, we dropped 22 million, we came back 2 million, but we're still 20 million down. Uh, so some thought that was pretty good news, but I'm saying, no, no, we're still deeply down 20 million workers in this country, which, like I said, we believe the, the true unemployment rate is probably around 16% right now. It'll probably drop to 15% by the end of June. So looking at quarterly data, if you will. But that's still really, really high. But yeah, we were just surprised by how quickly these firms started hiring people back and uh, started a reopening process. Thank you. Thanks. You bet. Anybody else? Well, I'll ask a question while we're waiting. Um, so, Steve, the, all the when you and uh, Mike and Bill and whoever else get together and commiserate about all of you know how you see the future going and everything for credit unions and the economy and whatnot, I'm assuming that the numbers that you're talking about for for credit unions and for the rest of the economy through the end of what 2021 or a little bit further, maybe are assuming that from this point forward or maybe a little bit in the future going forward that it's a it's a long slow slog uh, through to the end of 2021 but but generally a very gradual you know upward trending in most areas and what i'm wondering is if you have had any deliberations at all about what happens to those kinds of forecasts that you just laid out for everyone. If as states open up, as we're seeing, um, there starts to be an uptick in the virus again, say this fall sometime. Um, and I don't mean, you know, a little bit, but something substantial in some areas. Um, you know, I don't know that, that it, it shuts down, you know, things all over again, but certainly might drag things out further at, you have any thoughts about that at all or is it yeah we did discuss that we just discussed the second wave scenario where yeah. you know next no november december uh coinciding with the flu returning that we do have a major second wave and once again closing down so once again i, I just want to emphasize that these forecasts i just went through assume we don't have a second wave uh but we could easily have one which would make all these numbers a lot worse than i just talked about meaning higher unemployment rate, higher charge-off rates, higher provisions for loan loss, which corresponds then with lower earnings for the next couple of years. So yeah, we, we, we were contemplating doing multiple scenarios of how quickly the pandemic exit, uh, then you can bring in the vaccine, when, how quickly that, but that was just getting too complicated. We were getting too many scenarios. And sure. we said, let's just go to the scenario where this just, you know, it plays itself out slowly. We don't have a major second wave. And we may have a second wave, but it doesn't shut down the economy. We just, 
It's almost like we just live with it. And we're kind of seeing that today, even with many states, I believe like 20 states right now are seeing increases in hospitalizations and death rates, but they're still opening. Uh, so it's almost like people are saying, you know what, it is what it is, and we got to live our lives and open the economy up. And uh, so unless it's a major, major second wave, uh, we don't really expect much of a shutdown in the economy. And right. so that's why we, we just want this straightforward forecast that the pandemic kind of plays itself out, maybe a little second wave, but, you know, we're just going to work, we're just going to open the economy up no matter what. Thank you for that. You bet. Comments, questions, anybody? Steve, this is John Dwyer at New England Federal. I, I, as a, I guess part of the discussions that you're having with the other economists, any sense of uh, specific parts of the credit union industry uh, that you might be concerned about? You know, thoughts around things like airline credit unions or oil industry credit unions. Uh, any specific oh, yeah. segments? I mean, I mean, those major sectors, like you, like you mentioned, the airlines. Like United is planning on laying off 40% of their workforce in the next month or, month or two. And so, yeah, if you're affiliated with any of those major uh, leisure and hospitality were the ones that really got hit. So anything to do with hotels, airlines, uh, vacation destinations, restaurants, uh, they got hit hard and they're going to have a hard time recovering until we have a full vaccine. You're not going to see a lot of people going out and using those type of businesses, uh, especially among the elderly, you know, People above 55 and above, as we know, were the ones who got hit hardest by this COVID-19. And they spend about 40% of all consumer spending is by people 55 and older. So if you have a lot of these people saying, you know what, I don't, I don't feel comfortable going back to a restaurant or a movie theater yet, or even going to a ball game. Uh, that's what we're gonna really keep spending down until we get a full vaccine or some type of treatment that uh, if you do get it, it's not as, as High, high incidence of death, especially amongst the older group. So, yeah, I mean, anything in the Legion of Hospitality, face-to-face -face type of uh, employee inter interchange is really going to be impacted for the next year and a half. So, as a follow-up to that, any uh, updated discussion? We talked to Mike Shank a couple months ago, I think it was, Joe, at least six weeks ago, something like that, uh, about the potential for a premium uh, you know, for the share insurance fund. Any updated thoughts on the likelihood or forecast around that? Yeah, we actually try to look at, at Kinder Mutual, we try to look at how many credits were close to the 7% well-capitalized line and how many could drop below that and try to estimate. Uh, but once again, it's really hard to figure out because a lot of credits are changing the behavior right now and trying to cut their expenses as fast as possible, especially those credit unions who are sitting around seven, eight percent capital asset ratio, which are you know going to have a difficult time, you know, not falling below adequately capitalized and all that. You know, it really depends on how many credit unions. Like we, like I said before, a hundred credit unions went out of business during the last Great Recession. Uh, it's really hard to estimate now how many credit unions could actually go out of business this time around. Uh, there's just too many unknowns and uncertainty at this point uh, with respect to how fast the economy opened up and the all, all, the, all those other variables. So we, we did talk about that, but we said, you know what, we just don't have enough data at this point to say if there's gonna be such large losses of credit unions that we're gonna to have to have a premium. So uh, not enough data yet, I guess, is my short answer to, to your question. Thank you for that. Other questions or comments, anybody?
I forget who it was, Steve, that was mentioning to us a while back that um, they felt that it was going to be or, or was uh, typically a, a after a pan, pandemic-induced recession, that those recessions are typically short, like in the you know three-month range, maybe up to five months, but a long, slow recovery, as you've pointed out. Do you buy yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, they say it's going to be V-shape. It's more like the Nike swoosh, that checkmark shape where we go down fast and then slowly recover over multiple years. I mean, it could actually be, you know, to the year 2024 till the number of employed people return to what it was in January of this year. Wow. Um, that's just getting back to where we were. And, you know, this population growth of about 1% a year. So just getting back to the number of people working could take three or four years. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be a long slog to get back to where we were in January of this year when the unemployment rate was a remarkably low 3.5%. I mean, that's just incredible. Thank you. So we're open for any comments or questions from anybody else. Now's your chance. It sounds, this is Jean, it sounds pretty um, dire. Are there any parts of the country that will do better than other parts of the country, do you think? Um, it's interesting, we've actually looked at by state, uh, different unemployment rates, and it's not really regional, it's by state. I mean, you can have, you know, like up there in New England and Vermont, you can have states right next to each other, but have significantly different unemployment rates, even with neighboring states. So it's not really regional. Uh, it's just one state is high, one state is low, depending on what kind of stay-at-home policy they had and how they shut down some businesses. So it really does vary. There's no really regional thing. Like I said, I, I put all the states from highest to lowest, and there was no regional pattern whatsoever. Uh, just some states were high and some states were low, right next to each other. Anybody else? Steve, I think you've imparted yeah. so much wisdom on everybody this afternoon that you know, they're all satiated with their quest uh, <laughs> for knowledge here. All right. I have one more question, Joe. Awesome. And that is, do you think that the, um, so Vermont is very slow in opening up. Do you think that the, um, or we, we did very slowly and we've had a really successful, um, um, I think, experience with COVID-19 because of the way we were shut down. But do you think that the economy that opened up more quickly is going to have better success economically? Or do you think that the overpowering uh, number of people that are liable to have it, is, it's just going to impact them? Do you have any feeling about how that's going to go? Yeah, I mean, the ones that are opening up quickly are seeing, you know, a resurgence in their hospitalization rates and death rates, but they just seem to be living with it and their economies are recovering quickly. Uh, I, I guess they're kind of following the Swedish, Sweden model. I'm sure you've all saw that in the news that Sweden never really shut down and really opening up quicker. They did have a higher death rate, but they are kind of just living with it and kind of choosing a different method of dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic is saying, you know what, uh, this could be with us for years, even with a, a vaccine. It may, you know, change and morph. So 
we just got to live with it. And I think people are just saying, you know what, let's just get the economy kind of back to normal because we may see more deaths from despair, if you will, from people, you know, when you're unemployed, bad things happen, alcoholism, drug abuse, domestic abuse. Uh, they're saying we may just have to live with this and reopen the economy. So um, that seems to be kind of an attitude that's slowly adopting across not only the United States, but around the world. I think I saw something about uh, New Zealand in the news today about uh, claiming that they, of course, who knows how they calculate this, but claiming they have um, no more new infections and whatnot, or they've, I don't know if they've eradicated it, but anyway, they've opened up everything in the country, I guess, except kept their borders closed. Um, and it was being held out in the news as, you know, a, a success story, sort of. Um, so. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's dealing with it different. Yeah. A lot of natural experiments going on around the world, you know, with different right. countries doing it different ways, different models to study. For sure. Well, Steve, thank you very much for jumping on the line with us. Really appreciate it. Sorry you had some technical difficulties with your connection or your computer or whatever. But as I said, if you send that PowerPoint along to me, I'll make sure to make it available to everybody on the call and more. Yeah, I'll send it right after the call. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for joining us. And thanks for all that CUNY Mutual is doing for credit unions in this crisis as well. Um, we all appreciate it. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. And uh, I don't think I have any members of my uh, lobbying team on the line with us today. Um, I don't think I have much of anything else to share with everyone except that uh, starting uh, tomorrow, I think we're going to start seeing some floor votes in the legislature, so-called floor votes remotely, um, on the Scott $425 million phase one uh, economic package, or at least last Friday, it was slated to start sometime around Tuesday or so in one chamber or the other. So we'll no doubt have some news to keep you posted on what's going on with that. There's a lot of tweaking going on. Some of you know from some emails, inquiries that I made about some different legislators that have some little different programs that they're throwing on the, on the wall to see what sticks and whatnot. Uh, so we'll see which one of those survive or, or not. But no doubt there'll be some changes from the update that we sent to you before. Uh, Rob Miller, I see you're on the line. Is there anything that you, you've heard by any chance uh, on your sub committee task force or anything else uh, related to the whole recovery in general since you're so close to the action? Yeah, not, nothing. Uh, thanks, Joe. Nothing that, um, that you haven't read in, in BT Digger. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not in, right. in the know as far as the legislature's next steps. I think, uh, you know, I saw that the governor was, you know, I think the, 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 the strategy from the administration is, you know, don't get in the way of progress. Um, it's not everything they asked for, but it's something and let's, let's do that. And then, and then get something more done uh, sooner rather than later. So I think the, I'm certainly sensing a very great sense of urgency um, within the administration. That doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't exist within the legislature. I'm just not as close to, to uh, that uh, activity as, as right. I am the other. Right. Thanks for that. Uh, Molly, anything else from DFR or are we good for today? Uh, I think we're good for today. All right. Thank you very much, ma'am. I appreciate it. Uh, any questions from anybody for anybody else or anything you want to share?
Okay. Hearing none. Thank you very much for getting on the line again. I apologize for the technical difficulties that Steve was having, but we'll get that PowerPoint out to everyone and we'll keep sending updates along your way. Thanks very much. Hope you have a Thank great you. Week. Thank you. Uh,